Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today, we're revisiting some Adam Sandler movies for the second time since COVID started, and I am joined once again by our Adam Sandler correspondent, Lissa Koshbakti. Lissa, thanks for being here. Josh, thanks for having me as always. Happy to be the correspondent Adam Sandler person. Yes, and we are joined by first-time Adam Sandler comedy movie watcher Daniel Lima. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm a neophyte. I'm dipping my toes in the water. I know. That was pretty surprising. I like the stream. (laughs) I like the stream. So we're talking about two Adam Sandler movies that came out very far apart. The first being Billy Madison, which I'm sure a lot of people have seen because it's kind of his first comedy he ever produced and starred in. But we're also going to talk about Hubie Halloween because it's the newest Netflix movie. And uh, for some reason, Daniel really wanted to talk about it. And I thought, you know what? I've never seen one of these Adam Sandler produced Netflix movies. I've I've seen the Meyerowitz stories, which he starred in, but that was a Noah Baumbach production. This is the first, Adam Sandler has had this production deal with Netflix where they pay him a lot of money to make movies that no one really seems to like, but a lot of people watch. And I thought, all right, I should watch at least one of these just to see what it's like. So uh, I decided to watch Hubie Halloween when Daniel put the hard sell on me on it. And I thought, and somehow it kind of came up that like you and Daniel had never watched an Adam Sandler comedy as of a week ago. And I thought that was just crazy. And I, cause I figured everyone growing up watches at least one by accident. And uh, somehow Daniel hadn't. So I guess I first want to ask you, Daniel, uh, how did that come about? I mean, someone that's seen probably th- over 3,000 movies in their life like you and somehow never watched an Adam Sandler comedy. And two, what drew you to Hubie Halloween as like something that you were going to insist on us talking about? Uh, well, I think it's just I was a kid in the 90s. My mother didn't let me watch. You know, like I remember once my mother put on the water boy. It was like on Fox or something. <laughs> and uh a sex scene came up and she was like, no, turn it off. That's the most <laughs> I've ever seen of an Adam Sandler movie before this, before this, a comedy before this. Yeah. And uh, a friend of mine just showed me the trailer for Hubie Halloween and I was like kind of impressed. I had always had this image of the Adam Sandler movie. It's just, you know, a bunch of dumb fart jokes and this and that, you know, not, not necessarily a bad thing, but never really my kind of comedy. So I was like, you know, uh, I'll let it pass me by. I don't need to check these out. I see the trailer and I'm like, okay, this actually looks like a, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's weird that it looks kind of like a, I don't know how to put it other than like a real movie. You know, it looks like it's actually like parts of it were <laughs> actually like a, like a, like a, almost like a horror movie almost. And it, it's just interrupted by this, by Adam Sandler doing this silly voice. This outlandishly cartoonish character. Well, see, even though you'd never seen oh, an Adam Sandler movie, I bet you kind of knew that was the stereotypical Adam Sandler voice though. Yeah, I just knew that he did like a silly voice, the kind of thing that like a friend of mine said, like, it, I think the only person who could get away with doing this kind of voice is Adam Sandler today. Because, I mean, I, I don't think the character is meant to be like have like a disability or anything like that. Well, we should say but, we should say Hubie Halloween is about a man named Hubie Dubois. He's inexplicably Jewish, even though his last name is Dubois. And he lives in Salem, Massachusetts, which is, I guess, a fitting set, a fitting setting for a Halloween themed movie. And he is a 50 year old man who lives with his mom and I mean, a a nice enough guy, but he's just always picked on and he lives, he works as a deli clerk and he's really loves Halloween and he's kind of the, the town's Halloween watcher monitor the police kind of deputize him just to so that he'll leave he'll leave him alone so he can go around and pretend he's in charge of making sure halloween's going smoothly but all of a sudden people that are mean to him they start disappearing and that's what the movie's about 
And I mean, I think there's a version of this movie, you know, that it, I mean, it's kind of like a little bit of a riff on other horror movies where people disappear around the town. And it seems like maybe you were here for a movie that was kind of like that, but a, a comedic spin, except you just didn't particularly enjoy what Adam Sandler was doing in it. Is that fair to say, Daniel? No, it's not fair to say. Oh. This is a fun movie. This oh. is a fun movie. I thought you didn't like it. I mean, you talked a little bit, but. Yeah, look, here's the thing. It's goofy, and I was a little bit on, on the fence. Here's the thing. Uh, and, Lisa, you can conf- you two can confirm with this because I've never seen an Adam Sandler movie before this. Uh, it, it seems like Hubie Halloween is a movie that doesn't really care about who's watching it. It, it strikes me as almost like watching like a student film. <laughs> Where, like, this guy, over the summer, he and his buddies got together to make a movie. They're having fun. And, you know, you can watch it. You can get some enjoyment if you want. But they're not – it's not made for you. It's made for them. I've heard that this is the case with a lot of the other Adam Sandler movies, but I've never seen them. So uh, is is this accurate? <laughs> Well, as the correspondent Adam Sandler person, I might have to confirm, you know, I feel the same <laughs> way, Daniel. I really, I like this movie because I'm a big Adam Sandler fan, but if you whittle it down, I just feel like some of the subplots didn't work and, you know, a few things like that. But, you know, they, they made this film for themselves and you can tell, like I mentioned earlier before we started the podcast, like it's a very Disney Channel film, like with boner jokes and it <laughs> It's fun. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so this was a perfect film because for like, what's the runtime? An hour and 45? An hour 30? It must be an hour 30 because that feels long. Hour 45. It was a long bit of cringe and, you know, a few confusing moments in here. But I will have to give praise to Adam Sandler because there are other actors who can't hold a British accent for long and Adam Sandler held his iconic weird funky (laughs) accent for the whole film. And you couldn't tell any parts that he let it go. So I have to give him props for that. But I mean, I feel like you could do that voice in his sleep at this point though. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. To be fair, he's been doing it since like little Nikki. So he's Mm. been doing it since uh, Billy Madison. I noticed when I went back and watched Billy Madison, it's the drunk voice he's doing in Billy Madison. Whenever he's drunk, he has a different voice when he's not drunk in Billy Madison, but I don't know. I, feel, I, I, I actually don't think I enjoyed it as much as you guys. I'm, I'm not going to be totally negative because I'll, I'll have nice things to say about Billy Madison when we talk a little more about Billy Madison. But I, I guess I just didn't find a lot of it that funny. I don't really care if it doesn't hold together as a movie. And it really doesn't hold together as a movie so much so that I basically forgot everything that happened in it until an hour ago. And I went back and rewatched the first 20 minutes and then read the Wikipedia just so I wouldn't sound stupid. And it, it had been five days since I seen it. It was that in one ear and out the other. And I think when a movie is barely held together as like a one kind of entity, then it's just going to dissipate even quicker. Like I've done podcasts on movies that I've seen three weeks before before and it even holds together better than Hubie Halloween did in five days that being said there were some things I laughed at I mean Lissa made the the boner observation but there's I'm not I'm never gonna not laugh if you put an 88 year old Oscar nominated actress like June Squibb and make her wear a shirt that says boner donor and or make her wear a shirt that says sea turtles get me wet or muffs driving school so it's I don't want to say I'm too mature for Adam Sandler movies because I, I I still will cape for little Nikki to they're not no I'll still not little Nikki. I'll still cape for Big Daddy to this day because I'll never not laugh at I'm, I, but I can wipe my own ass and I'll never not laugh at like just certain really immature things. But like for some reason, most of Hubie Halloween just like didn't hit that spot. It just felt very odd. Like we're gonna have this weird character just drive around and wa- talk to Adam Sandler's friends because he likes putting his friends in his movies, and that's fine if it's funny. And I just didn't laugh as much as I wanted to. 
I think that's a fair assessment. It's not quite as laugh-out-loud funny as I would like. There's still some good stuff. I love the uh, the Steve Buscemi character. Yeah. That that obvious red herring. It's so obvious that it's a red herring that I was like, wait a second, maybe this is fifth-dimensional chess, and he's making it an obvious red herring because you'd expect him to go for the obvious red herring, but and it turns out that it no, it just is a red herring. I it's weirdly in the dumbest way possible very clever and it's just funny to see him like you know just acting like a dog there's the the shack reveal man yo i didn't know that apparently shack's in most of these movies really I, that's um, what i was told is he he has been in one or two i can't put mm, i forgot which ones i think he's makes an appearance in grown-ups if i yeah, can remember oh, okay. uh, josh brown josh brown who i've you know podcasted from his house he said that one of the collaborators said look whenever we do one of these movies the funniest dude on set is always Shaft. That's I mean, Shaft, too. Shaq. Yeah. It's Shaq every time. And, you know, the reveal of him doing, like, the, 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 the silky smooth radio lady voice, and he's talking normal. And then his wife shows up, and it's Jack Black talking like a shock jock. Brilliant. It's brilliant, yeah. man. Yeah, there is something funny about that, where it's like, because that's not to, like, the last, like, 15 minutes of the movie. So yeah, at, at that point, you think that, like, all right, like, we're going to wrap this thing up. Like, we're done with the cameos. And I almost, like, respected the gall to just, like, drop Shaq in at, like, the, the, like, the hour, 30-minute mark. And I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. Yeah, sure. I agree. It, 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 and a lot of the – I'll admit that a lot of the jokes, it's kind of one note. It almost – it reminded me a little bit. Did either of you see Holmes and Watson? No, but I know that cracked your top 10 of 2018, right? I don't think it cracked my top ten, <laughs> but it cracked. It's it's one of the best movies of the decade. Oh no, I, I think feel. that I think that won the award on on the year end podcast for best movie under fifty percent on the tomato meter. That was what you, you yeah you yeah. It's it. a movie I highly respect because I think that that like Hub, unlike Hubie, I should say it's an it's all it be, uses anti humor anti comedy in a way to mock its own audience. It's the sort of dis it's a disregard for the audience in a different way. They're actively contemptuous of them. They're like, yeah, you came here to see a dumb Adams, uh, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley comedy. We're going to make it the dumbest piece of shit you've ever seen. And it's hilarious. Un in the same way, this movie doesn't care whether you, whether you laugh or not. And in a way that becomes a sort of meta joke for me. Right. Yeah, know, I, I, I think you're giving it too much credit. <laughs> Fair enough. No. But it's a Sorry, go ahead, Daniel. Go ahead, Lisa. No, I was going to add to that. I agree with what you're saying. And I wanted to add that I feel like when you watch this movie and you're self-aware like that, the way he is, like this film has to have been made with like his critics and bullies in mind. Like, I don't know if I mis am misremembering, but wasn't there like a joke where like if Uncut Gems didn't get nominated, he would make like the worst. He would make like the worst. Movie I think he didn't ever. say that. If he, yeah, yeah, if he, he didn't said, get an Oscar nomination, he said, I'm a, if, "He said if I don't get an Oscar, I'm going to make the worst piece of shit you've ever seen." Right. And here's the thing: this is not the worst piece of shit I've ever seen at all. I find it rather exactly. enjoyable, and I think that I'm going to be real with you. I think other people have commented on this, but it didn't. It wasn't until the finale of the movie that I realized this. Uh, I guess spoilers. Do we do spoiler warnings on this podcast? I mean, we do sometimes, but like, I don't know if this really is worth it. But if, we, if I mean, I, I feel like it, we, if we really didn't give away anything yet, so, so I'll put the timestamps in the description. They can jump to the Billy Madison discussion, and you can talk about the ending of Hubie Halloween if you want. <laughs> so here's the thing: it turns out that the person abducting all of Hubie Halloween's, uh, I'm sorry, Hubie Dubois' uh, <laughs> critics, 
Um, it boys, it's they're his, boys. It's, it's his mother. His mother has abducted uh, a Ray Liotta. <laughs> Ray Liotta. He just really hates Hubie and, for no reason. I don't really know what his purpose is in this movie besides this. And she's about to burn them at the stake. <laughs> and they're still, like, making fun of Hubie even as he tries to save them. And she's like, oh, shame on you. And the movie kind of grinds to a halt till as she admonishes them for hating on this, on, on this fictional cartoon character made into a real person and i'm like looking at it like why why is it all, becomes almost preachy almost like moralizing and i'm like what is the point here and i realized that of course you could probably interpret it as just like a basic like don't bully people who are different than you this is adam sandler seeing himself in hubie he is hubie he is the man who's just going around he's just he's a little silly yeah but he's just ultimately trying to make the world a better place and then you get these people who, you know, think of themselves as better than him, and they're just fucking hating on him for no reason. They should they should learn to appreciate what he has to give the world. And that is what's happening in that scene. I'm not sure how conscious that is. I'll grant you that. But it's what's happening. You are being admonished by Adam Sandler for crit- criticizing his silly little performances. Wow. That is, That's the best way to put it. There's levels to this. It's almost this. No, I, I, I appreciate you going there, I guess. The one other thing I will say is because, well, I might disagree a little bit as to, like, whether or not the movie is really that indifferent to whether you laugh. I really think it's, like, these are guys that, same, like I said, I think I said at the beginning, it's written by Adam Sandler and Tim Harley, same guys that 27 years ago uh, wrote Billy Madison. I think it's two guys that, like, are still trying to make people laugh in the same way, but just like are not trying as hard and are a little out of ideas. But at the same time, I give them credit because I think it is more self-aware than some of these other early Adam Sandler movies, which if you want to start watching more of them, Daniel, you'll kind of see there's the uh, stereotypical thing where it's Adam Sandler and then with like a wife that looks like a model. And uh, and Julie Bowen is actually the love interest in Happy Gilmore, so it's, it's it is still an it, oh. it, it, it's 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 still an example of him like bringing back his friends, like he's worked with you know he's been okay. Jennifer Aniston's been Jennifer Aniston's been his love interest on multiple occasions, and uh, you know Drew Barrymore, Kate Beckinsale, and Click. I mean, like it's it's a theme, but I feel like this movie is at least in on that joke where it's like Julie Bowen is lusting after this like weirdo the entire movie. And I think the movie does at least understand how ridiculous that is. Whereas maybe those earlier movies are just like, no, we're going to put Adam Sandler at the model and just act like it's totally normal. At least it seems like they're kind of like understanding how ridiculous it is and just leaning into it in a way I really did appreciate. The funniest moment of the movie for me personally is like that scene, the first establishing scene with Hubie where he's like, you know, he projectile vomits onto the street. After, after, after drinking raw street, eggs. After drinking raw eggs thrown at him. And then he falls over like a car. He lands on the street off his bike. And you get the shot of Julie Bowen going like, and it's, it's the it's the I want to fuck that man shot, and it, you've got no reason for it. There's no logical reason this woman will want to fuck with Hubie Dubois, right. and yet they're just like, yeah, well, yeah, she she's in love with him. Well, just we learned that we, we learned that she was married to Kevin James with a mullet for a good chunk of her life. So mm-hmm. if there's one kind of uh, specimen that Hubie Dubois might seem like a step up from, it might be Kevin James with a mullet. <laughs> just saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I will say that, like, uh, the performances are generally good, even though not all the comedy works, I'll admit. Uh, but a lot of the performances actually do. Like, I don't know that I find I found Maya Rudolph and Tim Meadows necessarily, like, funny. I didn't find their sections of the movie that funny. 
but I, they're having fun, and that makes it kind of enjoyable to watch them. Yeah, what do you think of them, Glissa? I was going to say, I, I mean, I, you can never not want Maya and Tim in a movie like that because they always add to it. But, you know, if they weren't in the movie, it would still be just as fun. But it was nice to have them. And, and Maya pranking is actually really fun. And Tim Meadows in the Halloween costume was perfect. So it was always nice to have them. And no, um, I think, like, go ahead. I was just going to say, the only thing with me and Tim Meadows was that uh, about exactly a week before I watched Hubie Halloween, I watched for the first time since I saw it in theaters, Walk Hard. So uh, Tim Meadows is incredible in Walk Hard. It's like an awesome, that should have gotten like a Oscar nomination for Best Actor or an, at least a Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actor in a comedy. It just and it just didn't happen. Actually, they don't have separate categories for that. The Golden Globes. It still would have deserved a Best Supporting Actor Oscar nomination, and it, and it just didn't happen. But like it was like that incredible. So it's like I'm almost like I have like a much better version of Tim Meadows like fresh in my mind. But it's like you don't like if you're just gonna make a movie like this where you're just throwing people in it. Like why not throw Tim Meadows and Maya Rudolph in it? It's kind of how I feel about it, you know. And having them get to actually kind of play like mean is also kind of funny, you know. Yeah. Who, are, who are y'all favorite uh, performances in the movie? I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't necessarily find any of it like uh, extremely, extremely funny. But I, I just have a soft spot in my heart for Steve Buscemi, and that like that he is willing to like go go to these places with Adam Sandler. Because when he did Billy Madison, he was, what, a year or two removed from being in Fargo and a few more years removed from being in Reservoir Dogs. Like, he had established himself as, like, an actor that worked with, like, the Coen brothers and Quentin Tarantino and, like, very, very, like, uh, prestigious fare. I'm like, cool. That's really cool of you, man, that you're just like, I like hanging out with Adam Sandler, and I'll go, like, do the most ridiculous things with him. And that he's willing to like come in here and like make a fart joke five minutes into the movie. I don't know if I really laughed at any one character in this movie enough to like be like, you were my favorite performance, but it's like, I'm really like respect Steve Buscemi for still doing this. And that's, that's what I'll say if I want to single out one other person. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably say Steve Buscemi too, but only because if we're tying it back to, um, uh, Billy Madison, his, his cameo in that movie was obviously top tier, but in terms of Hubie Halloween, um, no one like stood out to me, but I will just say the cameos were really fun. Like just in general. Cause like, I don't know if you guys caught this, but Adam Sandler's real life wife and his two kids are actually in the movie. So I thought what? that was actually, who are they? Fun. Um, his wife plays like the evil neighbor, not the evil neighbor. The one she, with the cat. She has a long hair and she's one of the like reporters in the beginning. Oh, okay. Um, I've- I have to look up. I don't, I don't know exactly. I forgot which one she played, but she's one of the wives and she was one of the reporters in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And his two kids are actually the two girls that are Noah Schaap's sister. Schnapp? The, 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 foster, the foster kids of Julie Bode. The foster kids of Julie Oh, Bode. that's yeah. his kids? Oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. So, so apparently, like, apparently, 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 the kids pop up in a lot of the Netflix ones. I guess that I haven't seen. Uh, his wife, I think, I don't know if he met his wife doing it, but his wife is the voice of the love interest in Eight Crazy Nights, which is like it has. A, that's one that I have a soft spot in my heart for, out of just like old Adam Sandler stuff. The other, the other thing I'll say though, if I want to signal someone, single someone out, is well, I already talked about June Squibb, and it's like the shirts do have to work, but like there's a version of this movie where she doesn't buy in. And I mean, I hope she got paid really well for doing this. But at the same time, like there's a version where she's like, all right, they already paid me my money. I'm not going to like sell it. But I think it's cool that like, again, 
like an old lady who has been nominated for an Oscar is going to sell wearing those ridiculous shirts. So it's like, even if I didn't laugh at it as much as I want to, I do like that some of these people still show up. I, I can't explain it. Like, I don't like the movie that much, but like, I like that they are these people that are willing to do it anyway for some reason, that they don't think they're above it, even if I'm, I've been above watching a lot of these Adam Sandler movies myself. <laughs> uh, you're too hard on Hubie, man. Why don't you learn to love Hubie? You didn't get that message in the end of the movie, man. I guess I'm anti-bullying. I mean, I could say that at least, you know. I don't know. Uh, no, I love Hubie. Alyssa, you're muted. I, I don't really know if you meant to mute yourself. Sorry, no, I'm muted. I'm just laughing. Oh, you looked, like you, you looked like you started talking again. I didn't know if it was an accidental thing. No. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys have any other, like, final thoughts on, on, on Hubie Halloween? We didn't really talk about the whole sub, any of the other subplots where they went to the haunted, the haunted house or they went to the corn maze. And- yeah, I'll admit this. I'll admit this. The movie gets a little – I'm shocked that I have to say this. It's a little confusing. By the time at the end where, like, they think that Julie Bowen might be the killer, and I, I genuinely lost the I, – I looked at – I turned to my friend, and I was like, bro, do you know what's going on? And he said no. Like, I, I, I lost the plot, and I can't believe I'm saying that about Hubie Halloween. But then I don't blame it that much for that. I, I, I'd, be very, I'd be very forgiving if I just laughed out loud more at this stuff. At the same time, like, you know, whatever. I, 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 if I have to give it one more compliment, though – they they filmed on location in Salem, uh, which I mean, if you had told me they'd filmed like, I guess there's probably a way they could pass this off, like pass off parts of the Los Angeles area for some of these neighborhoods. But they went on location to Salem, and I don't know. I think they did a good job of capturing like the feeling of a town. I mean, it is it is spread out and it's very sprawling, and there's like more characters than there needs to be. But at the same time, like. And like you guys said, it does feel a little long. But I think because of that, like you do for whatever it's worth, you get a sense of like this town. Uh, and I, 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 there, I guess there's something to that because there's like a much more cheap version of this where it's like it, it just feels much more insular. And uh, that, that, there's, that a com- there's a community here. Yeah. For better or worse, as ridiculous as all of it is, like I felt like we knew the community because they had hundreds of actors that were in this thing. And honestly, like more than 30 who you've heard of before, because that's just the way they went about doing this. By the end of the movie, when like the little kid just says like, happy Halloween, Hubie. Yeah, that gets you. That gets you right here. Man. So th- we're gonna be right we're, we're gonna be putting this up uh, like a few days before Halloween, I think. So and unfortunately, I don't think Halloween's gonna be as big of an event this year as it is on most years. So if you're and if you're looking to, if you're looking for something to watch, I I, I wouldn't feel I I would obviously tell like families to watch it, but I, I mean. I'm being hard on it, but like given that your options right now, and if you're looking for something that's just like lighter, like I'll still say give it a watch. I just didn't like it as much as I wanted it to. And I think it sounds like you guys would definitely recommend it too for a family looking to watch something on Halloween. I will, I agree. Although I say that, and the first joke in the movie is that uh, a mental escape, uh, escaping from a mental institution has put a bunch of jello in the form of a person on his bed, and that, that jello has a penis. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first joke in the movie. That's true. I don't know. Maybe not a family thing, but I don't know. With the right crowd, I guess it is worth watching. Yeah. There we go. Okay. We'll move. really commit to the Halloween thing, though. Yeah. We'll move on to Billy Madison, uh, which, as I already said, is the uh, 1994 or is it 1995 movie, I guess, from uh, or is it 96? I don't know what year it came out. Uh, I'm going to look it up because I need to figure yeah. out whether it's the best movie of its year. Right. It came out uh, in February of 1995. It stars Adam Sandler and written by Adam Sandler, directed by Tamara Davis. And it was kind of the first movie that uh, Adam Sandler wrote and really played a part in 
kind of get really getting made. It also has Bradley Whitford playing Eric, who Adam Sandler, I should say, plays Billy Madison, who is the heir to a large hotel throne. He is just going to screw up his entire life. His dad, though, wants to pass the family business on to him, and but he had to pay to get him through school, so he's not going to let him do it unless he goes back to school to uh, actually prove he has at least some modicum of intelligence. Not that really uh, we're suspending disbelief here, but, you know, he needs to get through elementary school and high school and middle school to be able to run his company. Bradley Whitford plays Eric Gordon, uh, someone that works under his dad that is his nemesis because he wants to take over the company instead of Billy. He's friends with uh, Norm MacDonald and uh, his love interest and his third grade teacher, as weird as that sounds, is played by Brigitte Wilson, who I think went on to marry Pete Sampras. That's the movie, and Daniel picked about himself as the one other Adam Sandler comedy he was going to watch before he did this podcast, and I woke up this morning to a Facebook message from Daniel that said, one of the greatest comedies of all time. So you did kind of uh, it did you, you found more to enjoy in Hubie Halloween than I did Daniel. So I'm going to start with you again uh, because I know that Liz is already in the tank for Adam Sandler and I and I already have talked to her about him before. So I'm very curious. What about Billy Madison just really worked for you that you had to sh- uh, shower down such praise upon it? It's one of the funniest movies ever made. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this. Twenty minutes into it was the first time I laughed. So, like, for the first 20 minutes, it actually reminded me of another movie I watched. Uh, I double-billed it with Hubie Halloween, Madea, Bua Medea Halloween. Uh, that's a terrible-ass movie. And a lot of why it's terrible is that it's just like a, a fan. It feels like a vanity piece, an excuse for Tyler Perry to, you know, make do some silly voices, put on some silly costumes. And for the first 20 minutes of Billy Madison, I thought, oh, that's what this is. It doesn't have the same sort of, like... I'm just with a bunch of friends and we're hanging out and having fun. It, it feels like just him doing a silly voice. Well, I should say your, was, your, well, I should say your first message to me was half an hour into Billy Madison. This is great. So what was the turning point after those first 20, 20 minutes? 20 minutes in, as soon, as soon as he walks into class, it becomes just so fucking funny. Man. <laughs> it's like, it, because at that point, it kind of almost loses the pretense that this man is like, a cartoon character. Cause at first, you know, he's like, you know, chasing after this penguin that he sees and he's just like making this silly voice. He's yelling, yelling gibberish a- at the dinner table. And I was like, Oh, this is kind of weird. Like I, he's almost exactly. more of like, he's almost like might be a little mentally slow was kind of like my thought at that point. And I was like, I, I knew he wasn't, but I was like, man, what are they doing with this character? Cause I hadn't watched it in a while. Yeah. It feels, it feels borderline offensive. Yes. But then after that, it kind of calms down and they're just like, this is just the kind of guy who's not very book smart. And, you know, once you get into that rhythm, it becomes just so funny to see him interacting with these children. Uh, but he's doing it totally earnestly. Earnestly, as if he, they're equals uh, at every step of the way. And, you know, he feels like a like a uh, more so than Hubie to me, Hubie Dubois. Billy Madison feels like an actual person. He feels like somebody who's trying to succeed, who's had who's had it easy his entire life. And he honestly is trying to be a better person than his circumstances have allowed him to be. And it allows for just all these, like there's a, there's a great sentiment underneath all the comedy and it's still funny. Uh, that, that first, like when he's uh, <laughs> the shot, when he's like in the kindergarten class and everyone's asleep as she's telling the story about a dog and he is wrapped with attention. <laughs> he's sitting up like, it's um, like he's spellbound and then he gets so into the story and he's cursing about like, you know, that, you know, how come this little boy doesn't go find that fucking dog? It's, I think it's, it's what I had forgotten about that specific line. And, you know, I think, I think the movie's PG 13 and 
PG-13 movies get one F-bomb. And there's only a few movies I can really think of, PG-13 movies I can think of, where I remember their one F-bomb. And this is one of the best, like, uses of your one F-bomb I can ever remember. Yeah, it's very – and, uh, I mean, it, it, and I, I don't mean to uh, – I don't mean to, you know, disparage Adam Sandler here. It feels like an actual movie. You know what I mean? Like, you've got the Bradley Whitford character playing the antagonist. And, you know, he's this conniving, scheming villain who, like, when you see him in his office, it's all, like, steel, gray, and dark, and there's no signs of sentimentality, and it's cold. He's feeding his pet rat, and it's in, like, a steel cage. He's, it, 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 the, the film changes its look to show you who this person is. It's in stark contrast to all the rest of the movie. There's actual like technique in here. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a vision. Well, I, I was talking to, I was talking to Alyssa before he started. Uh, I think before you got on the call, it was actually directed by a woman named Tamara Davis. And I'd forgotten that because he uses a lot of the same directors for a lot of his movies after this. Uh, Stephen Brill, I think did Hubie Halloween. who's done a lot of them. Another guy named Dennis Dugan has done a lot of them, but it was interesting. This is a, a woman. And I guess maybe it's cause this wasn't, it wasn't an actual happy Madison production. I think that was before he formed the company, but uh, he obviously wrote the movie. Uh, and I, for whatever reason, maybe universal just brought in an actual, you know, I don't want to say competent because I like some of those other movies, but oh, hold uh, on, you can't. You can, oh, oh yeah, oh, I thought you were saying she was incompetent. I was about to say, hey, 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 see before you've seen see before. No, no, she's she. I'm saying she was competent, and uh, but like more just like uh, just someone that's outside of our Adam Sandler's orbit to do it in a different way. So that might account for some of what you're talking about. Uh, but that th- that was just like something that jumped out to me. But uh, Lisa, I guess you were revisiting it for the first time in a while. What really struck you going back to watch Billy Madison today? Um, I actually didn't know that Daniel chose it because it kind of worked out because the film has like a subtle hint of like bullying, like it talks about bullying, I feel like. So that kind of ties into UB Halloween, which worked out. But I was happy to revisit it. I'm happy to watch any Adam Sandler movie, but I also hadn't seen it in a while, too. And it's kind of fun to see where the baby talk originated for the (laughs) most part. But it's a really fun film. Adam Sandler is like at its at his best. He has more chemistry with these kids than he did with Julie Bowen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I'm kind of similar to to Daniel, but for me, the scene was when he's like pegging the little kids during dodgeball, and I don't know why that's that's terrible to laugh at, but it's just like he blends in so well with these kids, and like that takes a really great actor to be able to kind of to kind of pull that maneuver. But um, and also the cameos in this film, like Norm Macdonald, and you have you know the late great Chris Farley, like you you know I. On SNL, so oh shit, that's who that was. Oh, you didn't make me pick that up. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of great small cameos, and I think the thing that struck me as I went back and watched it for the first time in a while, and I'm just always deathly afraid when I go back to watch these Adam Sandler movies. Did you just have some big revelation, Daniel? Uh, that was Robert Smigel who played the principal. That was I yes. think. Yep. That was Robert Smigel. That was Triumph. Yeah. Yo, triumph, man. Yo, this movie is fucking great. I tell you, man, this is funny as shit. Yeah, I'm deathly afraid when I go back and watch these Adam Sandler movies because I loved Adam Sandler as a kid. Like, I really idolized him. And I, I think part of it was, I mean, it was a combination of just finding these movies hilarious, but also is like, I, I love the Hanukkah song that much. And I was like a Jewish kid and I identified with like how Jewish he made some of his movies. And I, I was just the biggest fan. And I, and I just gave up on him for a while. Like I got to a certain age and like when I got to college basically where, I mean, I didn't watch a lot of movies in college for whatever reason. As many of as I started watching in law school, I 
whatever reason I just I just was too busy actually doing fun things and in, in college but I, I so I, I maybe I didn't watch a couple of the comedies that kind of came out in 2009 2010 of his uh after funny people I didn't watch one until Meyerowitz series like I skipped them for a while and those old movies had a fond place in my heart and I'm just like oh man am I, am I gonna be too mature for this stuff when I come back or am I just gonna be too much of a critic by trade now to like am i going to pick them apart too much and so i was like really afraid to watch billy madison and i think the thing that really sold me on it as i was re-watching it was that like daniel said he just watching him interact with these kids in like this earnest manner and he's like gets on their level so easily and it doesn't feel as like ridiculous like hey hey look at this big guy against these little guys and it doesn't rely on just the 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 sight gags for it to work he engages with them and Lisa mentioned the dodgeball scene which like i laughed at too but i also really laughed a lot at the small scene where one kid is having like a just a simple conversation with another kid and says you know i think mortal kombat sega genesis is the best video game ever and then billy says you know what i disagree i think king kong is the best video game ever and then one kid says king kong sucks billy madison says, you know what you suck and then just like walks away and that he's like willing to like engage totally like in reasonable conversation and it shows that his maturity level is where it is and just like a funny scene like that where he's taking this whole entire thing seriously and the movie is like playing it totally straight up until it can't because billy is immature and i don't know i think that's why the humor still works for me is that it does, it's not just relying on sight gags it really wrote a 28 year old character as a 10 year old boy very well i think yeah, uh, there, I will say this. There's also – I've said that with Hubie. There's almost like just one meta joke that, that, that is underneath, underlying all the jokes mm-hmm. in the movie, the fact that this is all very stupid. And here I think there's a lot more wit. Uh, there's a lot more – there's a diverse array of different you know, comedic – Techniques employed, like I like the the O'Doyle rules. By the way, I did not know that's from this movie. Oh, yeah. um, so O'Doyle rules, like you know, like he has every grade. He runs into some kid named O'Doyle, <laughs> and at the toward the end, he's like, "One day your family's gonna get it." And what gets them is in the middle of the climax of the movie, they cut away from the action to show them all driving in a car and a banana peel that fell on the ground, like. 30 minutes 40 minutes beforehand makes the car slide out of control and they all die and they go back to the climax they're just there's the the during the climax actually there's like a bunch in the uh in the little squares uh for like what topic that they choose Mm -hmm. for the academic decathlon you know there's like you know actual things like you know european history and then there's like the the clearly adam uh, billy madison wrote down like you know poo and flame how flame interacts with it and then there's like from the from the moderator there's like why my whore f white let's like and it's the kind of detail that you know if you, this is the kind of movie where i feel if i went back i would find even more jokes to laugh at that i didn't get the first time around well it seems which, like so you were aware of o'doyle just from general pop culture knowledge honestly i'm familiar with it with uh the title the title t- track from the pretty gibbs album pinata which ends with i believe mac miller saying o'doyle rules right but did That's you did, did you miss though in hubie halloween did you remember because you watched hubie halloween first and hubie halloween some of the people throwing shit at him when he's on the bike are saying o'doyle rules so it's oh, like I didn't that. yeah so oh, it's like and i think it might listen doesn't it pop up in some of the other movies too i think it might I feel like it does. I can't. Yeah. I can't. So it's kind of like, a, like a, yeah. So I guess Mac oh. Miller might be an Adam Sandler fan, but yeah, it's like a thing in his movies. 
I will say this. There's also the fact that I, I think something that differentiates Billy Madison and why this movie just feels a lot more effective than Hubie is that Billy Madison himself is, a, is you know, as we've said, he's like a more well-rounded character. He actually has character flaws outside of just being kind of like a dummy. Like there's the scene where, you know, the Steve Buscemi scene where he realizes that, oh, you know what? My experiences right now are making me reflect on how I acted to uh, people who were, you know, mistreated in the past. And so he calls up Steve Buscemi and makes this very heartfelt apology for how he treated him in high school. And Steve Buscemi hangs up and he's like, all right, thank, thank you, Billy. Hangs up, <laughs> crosses his name off a <laughs> list of people to kill. <laughs> and then when he comes back at the end, Deus X, uh, Deus X, I don't know pronounce it. Deus X, Deus X, Steve Buscemi. It's, I, I fucking paused the movie so I could laugh. <laughs> it fucking killed me. He's just like, <laughs> I'm, man, I'm glad I called that guy. <laughs> it's so good, man. It's so good. I actually messaged, uh, Ben Lubin to ask him how he felt about this movie. He did not feel good. Really? I, he he didn't like he doesn't like his comedies. He says that they should they're a crime basically. What? And I, I t- yeah, and I I told him, you know, I told him what's what and apparently he messaged uh he messaged Josh Brown to say you need to stage an intervention for Daniel. I I don't I don't know how you could think that. This is one of the cleverest, funniest, most heartfelt comedies I've seen uh, ever. It's brilliant. Bigger bigger picture Adam Sandler question for you, Lisa, though I do have some more Billy Madison thoughts. Daniel just used the word heartfelt, and I think you can enjoy some of his movies without necessarily like giving them that adjective, but are there certain ones that you find have more heart than others? Because I actually have an opinion on the matter. Well, yeah, I mean, my favorite, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about, are we talking about the stupid Adam Sandler films, quote unquote, or like, you know, the well done, because in terms of heartfelt, like Punch Drunk Love is my favorite, and that's of course. Yeah, I was, know, I was talking the, about the more Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler stuff, as opposed to the uh, ones where he worked with like Arturas, like PTA. Mm. Right. Now he's got to go uh, with the other Paul Thomas. <laughs> I mean, it's tough. You. Like, Click is probably a good example because mm-hmm. everyone thought it was really stupid, but it was actually it was actually pretty wholesome. Um, the Wedding Singer, but that's not that's not you know it's like I I can't I can't really pinpoint a lot of Adam Sandler films that are like those kind of Adam Sandler films that are really heartfelt. Well, you know, I, I agree with you on Click. That was what I was hoping you'd say, because I think it might I think Click is probably like the best Adam Sandler Wait, movie. Click? Yeah. Really? Seen, I was like, have you seen I've, it if you haven't seen I've, it? No, no, I've never seen it. I remember when that trailer came out and I was like, oh, that That's looks kind of dumb. So yeah. the, the reason Click holds like a, probably a special place in my heart more so than others is because like I saw that with my grandma. And yeah. I guess at that point, my grandma would have been almost 70, around 70 or a little almost 70 years old. And I was, you know, 14. And I, and like, we both cracked up throughout the whole time. And there's a, there's one particularly egregious fart joke in that movie that I feel like Mm -hmm. is just like, I, you should, you shouldn't expect better from Adam Sandler, but it's like, I feel like it almost like, it's like the one flaw in a movie that's otherwise actually kind of perfect for what he tries to do in his movies, the production value, the quality of the acting. And it's like, there's some really, really, really emotional stuff in there with Henry Winkler, who plays his dad. Uh, 
And I that that's what I think of where it's like kind of impressive that he's able to kind of do these wacky movies, but he's able to find like moments like that that are like actually heartfelt. And like I think there, there there's like small moments of that in Billy Madison. Like I think like the relationship he has with the kid when he helps him out when he uh, on the field trip with the pig. Yeah. yeah. And then did did, did how, how hard did you laugh at uh, Daniel at if peeing your pants is cool? Consider me Miles Davis because that's like a pretty iconic line from Adam Sandler. I, I, I mean I'm gonna be honest with you. I almost teared up in that scene. <laughs> It's a beautiful scene. It's a he manages to make beauty out of such stupidity. It's it's genius. What else can you call it but genius? Man, I gotta say, like, I I thought you could go either way on this. Now I'm kind of curious to see, like, because I think I mean, oh. you're, I'm, I'm sure you won't like all of them if you go back and watch more of them. But like, if you like Billy Madison this much, like, you have a lot of I think fun times ahead of you because I think you'll like some of these others. You know, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. Oh. Uh, here's the thing. Also, with the in, in regards to the comedy, mm-hmm. you cannot make this movie today. And I'm not even saying that's necessarily a bad thing, but oh my god, there's like multiple jokes where the butt is like, like there's like a when he's in third grade and he gets valentines from like from like nine year old girls. I laugh at that. It's so funny. I mean, you can't do it today. You can't do it today. It's so funny. There's there's like young there's young actresses like. They did a good job of like their two seconds of screen time with the faces they had to make, but yes, it's uncomfortable. They and then also it goes to, then it goes to Robert Smigel saying, "P.S. I'm horny." Well, 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 no, that that's not Robert Smigel, I think. Oh, is it not? Oh, so who's Robert Smigel then? So that that that, that is John. No, that's I, Jim Downey. Yeah, that's Jim Downey, who's the principal. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I, 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 Robert Smigel, Mr. Oblasky. He, he plays. Oblasky? I think he plays like a another administration, like the principal of the high school. I think. Uh, oh. Someone okay. came in later. I think. I think I was the principal of the high school, but he's in there. But uh, but yeah, the the other thing that was kind of like, eh, that's not that didn't age that well was when it's laughed off by even the teacher when he feels her up. And yeah, yeah, that was it's like, little, I, I mean, like, I, I feel like there's a way in which he, he gets told off for that, but she doesn't really tell him off enough, like as, as much as she does when he's like being a jackass in class. And like, that's something where it's like, I feel like a little kid watching that could totally get the wrong idea uh, as to like, just yeah, how, un- yeah, as, that, to, that was, hmm. as to just how unacceptable that actually is. Because uh, the characters, no one really actually like gets that angry about it, which is not great. Uh, one of one one of the things I laughed at the funniest because I think it's it's kind of cool that like I, I laughed as much at that Bradley Whitford character as I did still because like I should say like, I I was still laughing at a lot of stuff like because I think it's just like the way his demeanor butts up against everyone else in the movie is kind of funny because I think there's a version of this movie where uh, Billy's dad is like written way more seriously than he actually is so. I mean, yeah, he cares enough to, like, want his son to go to high school, but, like, what kind of, like, it doesn't, he obviously doesn't care that much about this whole thing, and because, like, he's just, like, there for the games, almost, and he's just like, oh, yeah, this will be kind of fun, because he doesn't actually like the Bradley Whitford character, I think that's the funny thing about this movie, is, like, he really doesn't like him, but he's just like, I don't really have anyone else I can give my company to, but I really don't like this guy, so the dad, like, understandably gets mad when he thinks Billy bribed an administrator, but he does like doesn't really like him. So when you have Bradley Whitford like genuinely seriously asking Billy's dad, isn't the future of Madison Hotels and its sixty one thousand employees too important to gamble on a game like this? And then he just says no, no, no. <laughs> and I'm like, it's it's funny how there's just like no one here. That's no one is here for Bradley Whitford. I think it's like an interesting way to like write that villain because yeah, there's times where Billy's trying to say he's evil. You don't see how evil he is. 
but no one it's not like he's like there being like a model citizen that everyone loves and he's secretly evil he's just like there and everyone's like oh we don't really like this guy but i guess we're gonna let him hang around and i thought it was a fun way to kind of finally cut him down at the end where it's like they've actually showed him being kind of proficient at some of these uh events in the academic decathlon like he's an all-american runner and you think oh maybe this guy has some like actual book smarts because that's the thing that billy's kind of lacking and that he like totally crumples and there's like not even any hesitation to having him do it just because he gets to ask a category like explain what ethics are <laughs> that's, that was... the brilli- that's the brilliant part of the movie man because i expected going in that like oh he was gonna at- get asked about like i don't know flaming poop or something no 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 they ask him about business ethics that's the crux of the movie that this man has not has no soul, and so he can't answer a question about ethics. Meanwhile, Billy Madison actually can, because he's a good person at heart. It's see, this is they're operating on another level, man. <laughs> I feel they're like operating on another level. At, like I feel like the film's like pretty good at making fun of like corporate mentality at the same time, honestly. Yeah. So I thought that was a really good part of it as well. That no yeah. one really catches at, unless you're like diving deep. Yeah, did I did I write anything else? Oh, I, the only other thing. <laughs> The, the only other thing I had written down that we didn't uh, talk about yet was that, like, as I was trying to give an example of, like, how I'm not above this humor is that I laughed when Billy laughed at the 69 joke in the class. Because, like, I, I mean, like, just laughing at, like, someone making a 69. And, and I just watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, like, th- like a month before in, in preparation for my Face the Music pod that I did with Ben. And, like, there's, like, the 69 joke in there. And it's like, all right, if I just had another regular 69 joke, I probably wouldn't have even laughed that hard. But it's, like, him laughing at it in front of like a bunch of like six-year-olds that have no idea why he's laughing like it's it, it's it's something it's like a different way of going about a joke like that yeah there's a there's actual layering to like this like you know very lowbrow comedy they mm-hmm. make it highbrow man i'm telling you this is genius <laughs> and the random music number we haven't even talked about that so, sorry you broke up for a second Alyssa. i was saying we haven't even talked about the random musical number Oh, yeah, I forgot about that, actually. <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere. He starts dancing and talking. Oh, the finale also? Like, the actual end scene? Wait, where, where, where he's... Uh, yeah, uh... He, kisses, he kisses his love interest, and then <laughs> everyone starts kissing another love interest. I think the principal kisses the imaginary penguin. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the penguin. So does the penguin still hold up for you, Alyssa? Because that's, like, a pretty iconic moment from this movie. Honestly, at first, I was like, oh, God, I forgot about the penguin. And then I was like, okay, it's kind of funny when he, he sees him again at the end. So it held up. It held up. But not as much, as, not as funny as it was the first time, but it still held up. See, I really don't like the penguin. Like, I'm kind of with Daniel in those first 15 minutes. I think we're all in agreement on that, it sounds like. That character is just really out there at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is just, like, ridiculous. He's speaking gibberish, just yelling. Like, it's almost incoherent. But, like, I oh, legitimately like- still crack up when I see the when he sees the penguin when he goes to veronica's house towards the end when he's drunk he's like oh i see how it is and i don't (laughs) know why that just really gets me for some reason even though i don't care about the penguin the first time right Um, yeah well i mean i don't know i feel like we pretty well covered it it's also impressive this movie's like 88 minutes uh it it gets in and out like it's it's it, it which is one of the things i guess it, an advantage it has over hubie so i mean i feel like we already really uh talked about a lot of it were there any other funny moments that you wanted to highlight daniel before we wrapped up oh man i'm trying to think pretty much every single moment of the movie is like just another joke for me to laugh at honestly it, it, it's a marvel and i i implore anyone who hasn't seen it to make sure to do so Alyssa, do you have any final thoughts on billy madison 
No, Daniel put it in a good sense. The whole film is funny, and you can name like any certain scenes that made you laugh. But I feel like in terms in terms of compare, comparing it to Hubie, you, you have to like really struggle to find a few good parts. So Billy's Billy's the best, and I hope everyone listening revisits it or watches it for the first time again, like Daniel. And I'm happy Daniel loved it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll just say like again, if you're if you're someone like me who thought you were too hoity-toity and too good for like or worried you would be above this kind of humor uh, as a young adult, as opposed to being like a uh, a young per, uh, like a young kid, like there, you're you're still going to get something out of it. I think if you revisit it, so I I definitely recommend it. Uh, Daniel, before we wrap up, uh, anything else you want to plug that you've been watching recently? And uh, just while we've been without movie theaters, still anything else you've been watching? I tell you what, the first, the last movie I saw before I watched Hubie last Wednesday mm-hmm. was like August 28th. So I went like almost oh, two wow. months without watching a movie, which if you know, for me, like I watched like hundreds of movies. I watched like 800 movies one year. Like I watch a shit ton. This is the longest I've ever gone without watching a movie since like boot camp back in like 2012. Wow. So it's been a while. Uh, so I honestly, I mean, I've been spending most of my time watching YouTube uh, there's one really great YouTube channel that I'd like to recommend, The Modern Martial Artist. Okay. He's just a guy who does breakdowns of, like, you know, uh, uh, boxing matches, uh, MMA fights, and, you know, fighters. And even though I'm not, like, a, I don't follow boxing or MMA or anything like that, uh, it's, just very, it's just very interesting. He actually builds a narrative, and he goes into the art of how these people fight, and it's, it's rather interesting. So I'd highly recommend those. Yeah. Lisa, what about you? I feel like you haven't logged as much on Letterboxd recently, too. I'm going to say, I think Daniel took exactly the words out of my mouth. I haven't been watching that much, which is scary for me. I, um, I've been watching a lot of YouTube as well, too, because I guess I only have a short attention span right now. But, exactly. You know, I, it's tough right now in the pandemic. Um, I think the last film film that I watched was like like 30 days ago, like a month ago. I recommend I watched a piece of, an, a piece of No Nation on netflix with idris elba and that was super well done super heart-wrenching uh really impressive so i definitely recommend that i think it's still on netflix yeah beast of no nation is solid though uh a pretty tough watch too uh i'll say uh i'll yeah, it's fine. yeah so i actually have a, a recommendation because i i'd gotten to the point where i was like just doing podcasts on everything i was watching and i started running out of stuff to recommend uh my friend and old, my friend and old co-host anthony messaged me the other day and said hey i i found that i watched this movie i really liked on netflix called bad genius it is a taiwanese movie from 2017 that a good way of the way he sold it to me which got me to watch pretty quickly was like a mix between the perfect score and oceans 11 and i would add parasite in there because those movies don't deal with class and this one deals with class too uh and it's about a couple of it's about these two uh, primarily about a young girl that's like a, a genius and gets a scholarship to like a kind of a prestigious private school in taiwan and kind of gets involved with helping a lot of the rich kids cheat and they're and then eventually like just with school tests but then it kind of escalates into like a whole standardized testing scandal thing too and it's like extremely tense some really unique scenes with how they shoot like they make the taking of bubble and test exciting so if if that's something that sounds like it might be interesting to you like a a heist a, a taiwanese academic heist movie i will say it's not taiwanese it's thai sorry fair enough then I would then I would direct you to Bad Genius. I don't want to say too much else about it, but it's like a really thrilling movie and a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, I will, real quick, real quick. Uh, I want to know your guys' take on this. I think the reason 
I think us three, well, minus, you know, Jernavoy, because he's got the podcast. But, like, I think the reason why I've stopped kind of watching movies is because I didn't realize how tied my movie-watching habit was to, like, new releases coming out and the conversation, what's going to come up for the Oscars, what's going to do this, what's going to succeed with audiences. That conversation is, you know, it's gone now that there's no theaters. And so I just, that's, I think that's why my movie watching has like atrophied. I don't know how you feel about all that. Lisa? Yeah. I'm actually in the same boat. I, I'm really embarrassed because my friend keeps texting me trailers and I have no idea of like what trailers are going out because I didn't realize like, all of my trailer experiences are mostly tied to like in person, like watching a movie and like even not even just like the blockbusters. Like when I go to watch an indie film, of course, like more indie trailers are shown and I'm just so behind. So I'm having to put in more work to find out what trailers are going to be out and vice versa. So it's did frustrating. You see, did you see the trailer for uh, what's it? Monster Hunter? No. No. Oh, yeah. Look. Oh, good. For which one? For for underground rail rail uh, railroad with well the with new Barry, Barry Jenkins thing because that's Daniel's favorite filmmaker. Oh God, D- Daniel Daniel oh, hates Barry, Barry Daniel hates Barry Jenkins. Listen with a passion. I don't like Barry Jenkins. I do not like that man. Uh, Wait, what, what college did you go to, Daniel? What college? I didn't go to one. Oh, I was gonna say I thought you maybe you were an FSU kid because I was like all the FSU kids you have to praise Barry because he went to no no I didn't go and you know what if they invited me I wouldn't just because I knew that he went there <laughs> that's how much that's how that's how deep it runs I do not like that man yeah I made um, the, I, I yeah I, I made the mistake of inviting Daniel on here to talk about a Barry Jenkins movie and it just turned into like him getting a shit on it feels Street could talk a very good movie um, no. I look for it. hey no 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 but I'll tell you what you better have me on for Lion King too. I thought you said you weren't going to watch it. Oh, no, I changed my mind. Because here's the thing. There's two cases. Either people don't like this movie, and I really like it, you know, and then I get to say, You get to do the contrarian thing. thing. Yeah, I get to do the contrarian thing. Or people don't like it, and I don't like it, and I get to shit on it. Yeah, Yeah. or or no one likes it at all, and you get to be the one that says, I was right about Barry Jenkins all along. He's a fraud. Yeah, I mean, it works. (laughs) It all comes together. I'm going to have some fun. That's going to be two hours of fun. You're going to have to oh do a part one and two. Fair enough. Yeah, well, that'll be uh, you'll get to be reunited with Joe for that because uh, Joe had Joe already has some thoughts on the one. And Joe is a Joe is a, uh, a, a graduate of FSU's film school actually. So uh, <laughs> you get be to, fun. so last oh. last one you did with Elijah. Joe got his master's in screenwriting from FSU. So uh, he, he's a Barry fan, but like he didn't he he didn't like the the first Lion King either. But this is very interesting that they're uh, handing that over to him. Uh, I don't know how he got on Barry Jenkins, but uh, uh, Alyssa, before we send off, do you want to plug anything? Your letterbox, your Twitter, anything? like that um yes you can follow me on letterbox at lissa lissa l-i-s-s-a twice um it's just comments on people's appearances and how cute john ham is so please follow me on there <laughs> daniel anywhere anywhere you want to plug i mean all i got is my letterbox you know felonious funk two f's you know there you go uh maybe daniel start logging a bunch of stuff as we kind of get into award season yeah, but all those honestly, movies keep i'm moving. gonna start the next thing i'm probably gonna go on a binge of brazilian cinema because oh. i've been slacking on that there's like a youtube channel that has been putting up like classic brazilian cinema that's really hard to get your hands on i want to you know get around to watching all those before they inevitably take it down yeah i haven't been like 
I, I haven't been like what you were saying where just not watching anything like you guys kind of haven't been but like I haven't watched as I've been at a slower rate than I had been earlier in the year because I started like watching a few series that I just wanted to spend my time working through before we got to award season I'm trying to finish Justified I you know I watched Shit's Creek I watched Kim's Convenience and like I'm working my way through all these series and it's just that's gonna uh limit my movie output but now i feel like i'm trying to load up on some of these old movies i was trying to watch before we hit the award season for things that always aren't getting pushed back through award season like on the rocks comes out this weekend and uh mank will be within a month or so and so we got a lot of other stuff i just need to like kind of get out of the way before we get to the award season so we'll be talking about all that on here as usual the rewind movie pod on twitter rewind movie pod at gmail.com is email i'm josh shernavoy j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-i on both twitter and letterbox uh coming up next i think daniel will be right back here with us with josh brown to talk about the trial of the chicago seven so everyone stay tuned for that thanks again to Lisa and daniel for joining me and we'll see you next time